journey. Welcome, especially if you're a guest with us today. We have a special guest with us today, and that's Luther Ramsey. Hey, guys. Go ahead and say hi. He is, um, yeah, he, and we will clap for him in a minute, but he is a, um, he, he is the, he's an executive pastor at a church in Clarksville, not Clarksville. Mouthful of marbles, Clarksville. It's like Louisville. Yep, Tennessee. <laughs> And uh, just outside of Nashville, and he also oversees Bring Love In, which is the, the organization that we've been partnering with to serve Ethiopians for the last four and a half, almost five years. We've been going over there each summer and then supporting them at our Christmas time giving and all kinds of other stuff. And we, we've asked Luther to come and speak to us today, which is Orphan Sunday. He's, he's going to be preaching on family, but he's going to talk more about that. I wanted to have everyone give him a warm welcome. Y'all up front got to learn that Brandon doesn't dance, apparently. I tried to get him to, didn't go well. So, hey, my name is Luther Ramsey, and I am with Bring Levin, and it is my absolute honor to get to hang out with you guys today. Um, we're going to be talking about family. We're in this series called A Country Life and talking about songs that matter. And, and so I hope you've been here for the whole series. I, I've been watching from afar online, and, and so I got to see Derry come out for the first two weeks and talk about marriage, and then talking about living out your faith at work and and then last week, Bob did a great job of not just talking about dating, but talking about how that affects all of our lives and those same principles. And if you missed one of those weeks, I would encourage you to uh, check out Journey like I have for the last couple months at journeyweb.net and go back and catch up on those services. But, but today, we're going to talk about family. Uh, and because at Bring Love In, we think family matters. We, you know, our job at Bring Love In is family creation and family preservation. So uh, I hope you guys will enjoy. The band is going to play a Kenny Chesney song uh, called The Good Stuff. And, and I'm just going to tease it right here. They're much better than the original. So hope you guys really enjoy that. Well, me and my lady had a first big fight So I drove around till I saw the neon lights The corner bar just seemed right So I pulled up Not a soul around but the old bar key Down at the end looking half asleep He walked up and said, what'll it be? I said, the good stuff 
didn't reach around for the whiskey didn't pour me a beer blue eyes went kind of misty he said you can't find that here cause it's the first long kiss on the second day mama's all worried when you get home late and dropping the ring and the spaghetti plate cause your hands are shaking so much and it's the way that she looks with her eyes in her hair eating bird suffers the whole first year and Keep her from tearing up Yeah, man, that's the good stuff He grabbed a carton of milk and he poured a glass I smiled and said, I'll have some of that We sat there and talked as an hour passed Like old friends Saw a black and white picture and it caught my stare It was a Pretty girl with bouffant hair He said, that's my Bonnie Take him about a year after we wed He said, I spent five years in the bottom When the cancer took her from me I've been sold three years now Cause the one thing stronger than a whiskey Was the sight of her holding my baby girl The way she adored that string of pearls I gave the day that a younger boy married his high school love It's a new t-shirt saying I'm a grandpa Be right there as the time got small And holding her hand when the good Lord called her up Yeah man, that's the good That's the good stuff That's the good stuff Give the band a hand, guys. So I gotta be honest, as good as that was, and my great love of country music, um, that's the sarcasm font, by the way, um, Worship this morning was amazing, um, and so I hope you guys really enjoyed that and got to sit. I, I told him, you know, the, the no longer a slave to fear. They pretty much just could have preached that this morning, and I could have just walked up and said hi and said thank you for supporting Bring Love In and Left. So I hope you enjoyed worship as much as I did this morning. Um, it's one of the weird things about being a pastor is you never get to, like, sit in church and not be responsible for anything. And so uh, I got to sit here this morning and let your band and church just kind of let me soak it in. And if something went wrong, I didn't have to go fix it. And, uh, and it helps when you go to somewhere where it's excellent, you know, because I'm a tech guy. And so if the screens were crooked or the band was off key, like I'd want to fix that. And so um, huge thank you for me personally of just getting to sit and, and worship with you guys this morning. Um, before we jump into the country life today and, and talking about the Good Stuff song, I just want to take a couple minutes and just kind of let you know a little bit about Bring Love In. If you want to know a lot, you should come hang out with us tomorrow night. But I want to talk about some of the things going on in the life of Bring Love In and things that you guys have been a big part of. And so 
If you're not really familiar with us, we're a ministry in Ethiopia that started in 2012, and, and family is what we do. And so we are all about, we were founded on the idea of family creation. And so what we do is we take a, a widow and an orphan, a widow and six to eight orphans, and we create a new family. And then we have a component of our ministry that, that keeps families together, keeps single moms who are right there at that, that edge of having to give their kids away from doing that. And so we do that with the idea that we want to raise up a generation of Ethiopians that, that are educated, that are equipped to make change happen, but they're also physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. Uh, and that's difficult because the children that we work with have They've been abandoned and, and their parents have died of HIV or they've been dropped off at an orphanage because they couldn't be fed. And, and they've lived in an environment where um, yesterday I got to go with Brandon and his family and we went to Granny's Donuts, which two thumbs up for that. But then we went and fed the ducks with his kids. And, you know, watching those, those ducks when you throw a piece of bread into the water and watching all the ducks fight for it is a lot of what life is like in a government orphanage in Ethiopia. If you're the strongest, if you're the smartest, you get more. But if you're weak and if you're quiet, you don't. And so we're bringing children in that sometimes have been the strongest and have gotten the most and they think their job is to push others down. And we've brought the children in who've been pushed down and, and, and don't feel known, don't feel seen. And so... When we create forever families, which is the, what we call our family creation model, we, we, we work with Ethiopian churches to find mothers who still have mothering to give. And it's typically a widow or a woman who's been abandoned by her husband. And so the government will then give us six to eight orphans and we create a family. And, and they're not in a compound, they're not in an orphanage. They're in a house like everybody else in a large community and, and, and no one knows they're any different. They have a mom, they have an aunt that we bring in kind of like a nanny as a second set of hands. And, and this, this family will do family forever. Um, it's, it's not a one-year plan, not a three-year plan. We're walking these kids through adulthood and then as adult children, they're gonna walk that mother through the rest of her life. And so we think family wins. Our Keep One Home program, we decided that you know in a, in a country of five million orphans, Nine forever families, and no matter how many forever families we grow that to, isn't the only solution. That part of the solution for orphan care is by preventing orphans. See, we're, we're in a culture where, where moms make decisions that a lot of times we can't understand. A mom has to decide, how do I lose my child this year? Do I lose my child to hunger because I can't buy food? Do I lose my child, to, to, to be honest with you, diarrhea? because they get, they get something in the water and, and they don't have access to healthcare and the medicine and something that would be super simple for us to treat. We'd take a child, we'd give them an electrolyte IV and you know, give them some meds. It's a culture where they could literally watch their child die from something as simple as diarrhea. Or do they make a choice that because they can't do those things that they take and drop their child off in an orphanage? And it's not a great solution, but, but it's, it's a little bit of hope for a future. It's, it's a little bit of food and it's a little bit of education and it's a little better than what they're giving them. And so we just don't think that should be an option for moms. And so we've come alongside 151 families currently. And our plan is to walk through that with them for three years. And so at the end of that three years, we've done some job training with mom. We've, we've done some micro grants to help her start a business. And so they've become a sustainable family on their own and, and they can move on and then we'll come alongside another family. And so we don't wanna create a culture of people who stand there with their hands out and trade in their dignity for a handout. 
We want to raise up families who can be self-sufficient. You know, Journey Church has been a huge part of our journey. You have, and that's not a pun, but it is kind of punny, but just thought about that. But so Journey Church has been a huge part of what we've done. And, and, and you've done that through prayer. Like you have prayed over our families. You've prayed over us as leaders. Uh, you've talked with us in, in words of wisdom. You've given money. You've, you've been generous. You've been radically generous. Um, and, and you've sent people. Like you haven't just talked about it. You haven't just written a check. You've done the hard part. People from this church have gotten on a plane and spent two weeks in Ethiopia loving on our forever family children. They've taught them English. They've laughed with them. They've cried with them. They've taught them songs. They've been really bad at playing soccer with them and the kids have made fun of them. And, and that's cool because that, that's real. That's doing life with people. And as you're seeing, I think some of the family pictures were scrolling through as we were going. And I wanna give you a little bit of an update on, on your Christmas offering from last year. And so we discussed with your leadership the need that, 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 that if you guys could buy a house and then we could buy another house and then another house moving forward, that that would radically change how we're able to do ministry. Huge part of our budget every year is rent. And, and we're in a country where, where rent is going up. Inflation is just going through the roof. Um, the poor are becoming much poorer. The middle class are becoming poor. And so we know those rent prices are going up. And so the sooner we can buy homes, the sooner we can lock in some of our, our fixed costs and being able to do ministry and expand and reach new families. And so you guys were just crazy generous and, and gave us a gift of $40,000 last year. And our way of saying thank you is we still haven't bought a house. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, like it's that thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night and Levi and I have set and like we have a plan and we, and we know where we're going and, and we had a gentleman this year who, who donated uh, a legal entity to us. And um, before I get into that, I think we have a picture of actual what one of our houses that we rent now looks like. And that may not look like much to you. That's a nice house in that culture. That's a little probably 800 square foot house with three bedrooms and a little kitchen and a nice little living room where the kids can sit and eat together and, and do homework at night. And, and there's a, a bathroom inside. And then there's, most of these homes have a, a squatty potty outside, which is more of a traditional Ethiopian bathroom that is on the outside of the house. And like that is life changing. That is culturally normal for our kids. And that house is next door to a family that's a regular family and another regular family and then a couple doors down, maybe another forever family. And so it's living life normally in culture, living to be an Ethiopian, learning all the things you need to be a successful adult Ethiopian. And so because we had, we had like I said, we had a generous donation of an entity, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but for us to form an entity in Ethiopia to purchase homes, we had to have $200,000 sitting on deposit not doing anything else. And so because this gentleman had started a couple businesses and he started one more than he meant to, he called us and, and we were racking our brains on how to buy this house and the guy called us and said, so I started a marketing company but I never started it and would you like it? And we were like, God, you are so big and amazing. And so January 1, we take possession of that entity. We have to then take that entity through the, the channels of Ethiopian government to make it ours but we're gonna do that. Uh, we're hoping to be able to do that in three to six months is what I wrote when I sent this over to the church. The reality of it is, is if you followed anything in Ethiopia, you know that uh, about six weeks ago, they declared a state of emergency. There's been a lot of political unrest and that's a long discussion. But about 30% of the government leadership has changed in the last three weeks. 
different people, bringing in people from different culture groups to kind of stabilize the, the political system. And so we're still holding to the idea that in three to six months, we're gonna be ready to start buying houses. Um, and we're gonna update you on that. We wanna be super transparent and honest, and we've tried to do that with the staff, but I felt like it was not their job to share this with you. It was our job for one of us to come stand in front of you and let you know what's happening with your money um, and just how big an impact it's going to make uh, and tell you thank you. Um, we can't do what we do without you. If, if you attend this church regularly, if you give, you are part of the Bring Love In community. If, if, if you give every month, if you're a forever family sponsor or you've come alongside a Keep One Home family and that you're a monthly sponsor there, you're part of the Bring Love In community and you've joined people literally all over the world in countries all over the world to live out the call of James 1.27 in Ethiopia. Like we read that verse that pure religion is going to the widow and the orphan in their time of need and in our world and in our culture, we have no idea how to be purely religious, Right? Like, there aren't, like, widows and orphans just stacked up on the corner around your house for you to go, like, pick up and bring home and take care of. But Ethiopia is a country of five million orphans. That doesn't include street kids and all the other unknown stuff, but five million known orphans. And so we can go live that out there, but we can't do that without you. And so together, we're living out that mandate of James 127. And I just wanted to let you know, from Bring Love In, and from our staff in Ethiopia and from the faces of the kids and from their hopes and dreams of not just being able to live to grow up, but to be things like doctors and lawyers and social workers because they wanna help the next generation of kids. You make that possible. And I want you to hear our, our heart and say thank you. So yeah, let's jump into this country life thing. So they brought the perfect guy in for that. I wasn't gonna share this, but you just need to know when, when the staff at my church walked down the hall the other day and heard me listening to a country song, like people stuck their head in the room and like, are you okay? Something wrong? Have you had a stroke? I mean, did something happen to your brain? Because they know that I don't have a great love for country music, and I'm glad some of you do, but this is a great song on topic. And so, and I think Brandon did a better job than Kenny Chesney. And so we're gonna talk about the good stuff today. We're gonna talk about family because we think family matters. And so when we talk about the good stuff, why in the song does the bartender not give him alcohol? Why does he not feed the fear, feed the anger, feed the insecurities? Why does he tell him you have everything you need at home? Because he knows what the good stuff is. You know, for many of us, we struggle with this. And a lot of us wouldn't admit this like with our outside voice. And we'd probably even lie to ourselves a little bit in our head and say, yeah, I know the good stuff. Like, I don't think the good stuff is my retirement account. And I don't think the good stuff is my new car or my boat or my big boy toy, whatever that looks like for you. You know, we all like big boy toys and big girl toys. And, you know, that's a vacation home and and I just wanna say first, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Not a single thing. God put you in America, you live in America, this is your culture, you do what's culturally relevant so that you have a voice with the people who live around you. You may share the gospel with the person who has the vacation home next to you. Cool with that. Please don't hear me bashing our culture. What I am bashing is when we make that the good stuff when our title at work is our identity and the power and the influence we get over other people, not because we wanna share the gospel, but because we want people to look at us. That's not the good stuff. God created us to be relational beings. 
And, and this song just reminds us in a very easy way that getting a glass of milk to cool things off, getting a few words of wisdom to go home and show love and kindness and patience and forgiveness always trumps being right, always trumps winning. You know, sometimes winning is losing and sometimes being right is wrong if it keeps people from seeing the gospel. There's lots of things I have the freedom to do that I don't do because when I do that, it keeps people from seeing Jesus. If I had spent all day Wednesday online vomiting hatred about the election, about either side, I completely lose my voice to tell people about Jesus because half the country just shut me out. Half the people that sit in my church on a Sunday morning don't wanna hear me share Jesus. Do I have opinions on those things? You better believe it. I got a lot of them. And I think I'm right. Pretty sure I am. Um, but being right can be wrong. And in your relationships and in your home, being right can be wrong. So before I get into my next point, which why is family so important, I need to acknowledge some tension in the room. We're talking about family today. And we're gonna talk about a good, good heavenly father. And for some of you in the room, as soon as I said the word family or as soon as I said the word father, like you shut me down. You don't know a good, good father and your family's a painful place. And I want you to hear me say that just like for our kids in Ethiopia, God has a plan A, a plan A that doesn't involve sin and selfishness and fear and anger. We live in plan B. We live in sin. We live in selfishness and people have hurt you. And I wanna acknowledge that. And I wanna acknowledge it for some of you, if you're honest today, you're the one hurting your family. And we're gonna talk about that. And I know that for some of you, the idea of God as father means that you can't trust God, you can't love God. And I'm just asking that for the next 15, 20 minutes, that you try to see the picture of a God who is good, a God whose arms are strong. And when you get up in his lap and he wraps, wraps them around you, that you can feel safe. You may never have had an experience with a father that felt like safety. But I want you to know that the heavenly father that we serve, this good, good father, his arms are strong and they give safety. And I want you to know that his hands are gentle and they are the picture of mercy and kindness, that they wipe tears, that unlike your experience maybe with a heavenly father that caused your tears and caused your fear, these are the hands that wipe that away. And so I just, I, want, I don't wanna just act like we sit in a perfect world without sin. And I don't wanna act like every family here is a first marriage and there are no steps in your life. I wanna sit where we are. And I wanna acknowledge that we've had good family experiences, bad family experiences, that you may be here this morning just pretending like family is okay and that your marriage is gonna be here next week. But in your mind, you know that you're just barely holding on. And so I wanna sit in that tension and let you know that God is real and God is here and he is not everything you're projecting on him. He is not that bad father. He is not that bad family. He is, he is the plan A, but he's also the plan C and the plan D. And if you knew my life, you'd know that he's the plan Z sometimes, that he has redeemed my stupidity. He's redeemed my bad choices. He's loved me when I didn't deserve it and he wants to do that with you. 
So as we jump into family this morning, I just, I wanna keep you all connected. I think God has some things to say. I, I think that song we just talked about, when the Holy Spirit is here, that's God's presence, God's wisdom, God's love, and he wants to speak to you today. So if I'm an idiot, show back up next week. I won't be here. I'm a visiting pastor. It's totally cool. It's the best thing about having a visiting pastor. If you like me, they did a great job bringing me in. And if you hate me, there'll be somebody better next week. So let's let the Holy Spirit speak today and not the broken guy that's up here. So family, why is family so important to God? I don't know, but like the very first relationship we see in Genesis was a family, right? God created Adam. Adam was lonely. You know, the goats and the sheep and everything, he gave them names, but he didn't want to hang out with them. And so some of y'all ranch and I don't get that, but that's cool. And so, but God gave him a helpmate. God gave him Eve and Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. And so if you're worried today that you're not good enough a parent to be a Christian, look at what Adam and Eve did. Like their sons killed each other. Like, so like you're okay today. Like if God redeemed their mess, he's gonna redeem your mess. And so, but the very first relationship we see in the Bible was a family. And so family matters to God. See, God created you to be relational. He, he created you to want other people in your life. When Jesus walked the earth, Jesus, who was God, who knew everything, had power over everything, had relationships. You know, he had the group that followed him and then he had the 12 and then he had the three. And so Jesus needed relationships. I'm pretty sure that on some level, no matter how introverted you are, you need some relationships. And as we look at our life, the, the very first relationship you had was your family and, and they messed you up, right? Like, like, how many of you in here are Titans fans? See, there are no good parents. None of you had good families. You were raised to do awful things like love the Vikings and the Seahawks and the Broncos. And so, <laughs> that guy is an idiot. He should leave. Um, but see, but your family gave you things like, like, what does a family look like? And, and, and what foods do we eat? And some of you eat like herring and all, you know, like your family taught you to eat weird stuff. And some of you, you're taught, your family taught you to talk weird. I mean, unlike me, I'm from the South. We talk normal. Some of you are what I like to call Canada light. You know, don't you know? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, lots of O's and everything you do. And so, but like your family gave you that. And, and so your culture and, and your family taught you to be who you are. And that's your identity, right? Like they gave you your name. Like your name is Bob or Cindy or Luther. I mean, like I was named Luther. Like seriously, like on purpose. I'm, I am Luther Pennington Ramsey Third. My name is much more ostentatious than I am. Um, but like my family named me. And I am a Ramsey and I carry that with me every day. But more importantly, I am a son of the most high God. Like that's the name that matters. And see you, like the kids that bring love in, were once an orphan. And if you're here today, you may still be an orphan. You were a spiritual orphan. You didn't have a relationship with your heavenly father. It's, you know, in, in John uh, 14, 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and, he, and he's basically telling them what's gonna happen. And, and he's giving them the salvation experience in advance and they don't understand it. And he's trying to tell them the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And not only are you gonna get to have a relationship with God like directly, but God's gonna like live in you. And, and he tells them here, he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And so this makes it clear to us 
that, that without that relationship in God through Jesus, that you're an orphan, that you need a father, you need a heavenly father. That's where you should find your identity. That's where you should learn how to act. Not, you don't need to fight the way your parents fought. You don't need to handle conflict the way your parents did. We need to look and see what God says about how we do that. Um, you know, I've got a picture of my family up here, I think. Yep. And so the good-looking guy in the back in the, with the beard is me, just so you know. Equally as good-looking in person and humble. And so that's my wife, Rhonda, next to me. And then the two biological kids are the ones that are easy to pick out. They're the white ones. And so... My daughter Gabby here on the end is 20, and my daughter Grace there next to me is 15. And Gabby and Grace, when they were born, needed family. They needed a father. And it was my job to make sure that they got food and shelter, and that they were taught to communicate and taught how to interact with people. They were born Ramses, and they became Ramses. And it was my job to teach them those things. They were helpless without me. My uh, daughter there on the end is the beautiful Esther. And down here in front, the little sassy one um, is Emma. We adopted them from Ethiopia in 2012. We landed on Father's Day in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia and got to pick them up and bring them to us on Father's Day. And that was super cool. Uh, And I've never given my wife a Mother's Day present that cool. But living with me is just a disappointment. So, but... (laughs) When we adopted them, they were four and six and their mother had just died of HIV and they'd never known a father. And they were in need of a father and they were in need of something. See, what they needed was a place of safety. They needed an identity, they needed a name. They needed a place that was patient and safe for them to figure out a new language and a new culture. And they needed a place to be in a family that they didn't want to be in, to be honest with you. You know, it took us a year and a half. That, that group of, of six of us at the time, we were not a family for a year and a half. It was hard. They loved being cared for. They loved the benefits. But they were grieving so much loss. And they projected a lot of that on us. And we just had to consistently look like God. We had to love them on the days they didn't want it. You know, in my life, I've woken up some days and I've looked God square in the face and I've said, I don't love you and I don't want to do it your way and I want to do what I want today and leave me alone. And God says, still love you. You're still mine. You're an idiot, but I still love you and you're still mine. And tomorrow morning, I'm still right here in the same place. And that's what Emma and Esther needed. And over the years, they are as much a Ramsey as Gabby and Grace are. And you see Luke and Natalie there, our Ghanaian son and daughter that we adopted uh, in 2015. And we are their second adoptive family. They were adopted once and just, it didn't work. Like a lot of you, you've tried Jesus and you thought it was the, like, I accepted Jesus today and tomorrow it's going to be good. You know, my my past, my history, my bad choices, the pain people have given me, like it's going to be better tomorrow. I'm a son or daughter of God. And much like for them, it didn't work. It wasn't a quick fix. And what they needed was they needed a place to come and feel chosen and to feel loved and to know that they were part of a family. 
And today I can tell you that we are a beautiful family that is bonded and they are all equally brothers and sisters and they are all equally Ramseys and none of them know the difference in any of them. They're just my kids and they're all equally annoying sometimes and equally wonderful sometimes. And occasionally I'm even a good father. You know, what we can see out of that is if we go to John 1, 12, it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. It didn't say for all who made all the right choices, for all who've done all the right things, for all who didn't sin privately or publicly, it's for all those who come. You don't have to do the pursuing, you don't have to do the choosing, God did all that for you by sending Jesus. And for our kids in Ethiopia, they now know that they are chosen. They've gotten to see this scripture lived out. They've gone from literally being an orphan in a government orphanage, fighting for everything they had, having no hope for a future other than just survival, to now being this wonderful group of kids who with a lot of counseling that still happens today. I mean, think about bringing six kids into your home who aren't brothers and sisters, who've always fought for everything they have, and now we're giving them a mom who's telling them what to do and an aunt who's telling them what to do. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun, right? It's been hard, but it's working. And I sat with these kids in July and I got to hear things like these kids who are dreaming about being pilots and doctors and who wanna be social workers because they wanna raise up the next generation of kids who've lived through trauma like they have. They wanna take what's been redeemed and go redeem. And so that, that, that's how this verse lives out in our lives. And so what do we do with this? I've got five minutes and 42 seconds to tell you what to do with this when you go home today. Because let's be honest, you're not an orphan probably if you're in this room. You're probably not looking for a new family. I mean, some of you may be looking for new families. A lot of my, I'd like a new family most of the time. Um, everybody's got family, right? Um, and so what do we do with this? Well, we value family the way God valued family. Let's do that. See, if family's important and family wins, what do we do with that family? And I'd love to give you my words of wisdom, but I'm occasionally a good dad and a lot of times not a good dad. I mean, I try real hard, but my words would just be empty this morning. So if we're gonna find out how to be in a family and do it, well, let's see what God says about it. In Colossians 3, 12 through 15, it says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, sons and daughters of God, park there, holy children he loves, that's you, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That doesn't sound like my family all the time. We need to make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's totally easy to do. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, members of one family, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Whew. I don't even know that I can get up here and talk to you about being in a family after I read that. Like I occasionally get one or two of those things right. I have never prayed for patience in my life. I don't like it. I don't want it. Um, I think it's an awful thing to have. Um, 
but I got, I, I got to live it out with my kids. I had to patiently love kids who told me they hated me every day for a year and a half and look them in the eyes and say, but I love you and I'm here and I'm sorry. You're right. Your trauma sucks. I don't know if I can say that here on stage, but I did. But like what got you to my family was awful and I'm sorry. And God looks at you some days and says, I know what got you to me. I know what made you stop running in that direction was awful. And some of it you did to yourself and some of it was done to you, but it all hurts, right? Like some of us are here today and it hurts. And when I talk about loving your family and forgiving your family, you think, but you don't know my family. Like you don't know my hurt. My family's that not, you know, crazy, funny, ha-ha kind of crazy, but they're like crazy, crazy. Like I'm here with you. Like I, I got that t-shirt. I mean, I got like cameras around my house because I got crazy family. Like really? Like I'm a pacifist. I know y'all aren't down with that, but I have a gun in my house because I got crazy family. Like I get it. I know, I know this verse wasn't easy. God doesn't ever cost anything easy. Your faith isn't easy. Your loving your family isn't easy. But what, what you need to do today is you need to go home. And for some of you, you need to tell your wife and your kids or your husband or your kids, or if you're the kid, you need to tell your parents, I'm sorry. I've settled for the okay stuff. I've put everything above you. I've chosen everything but you. Some of you are the danger in your house. I mean, you can sit in church on Sunday and hit your wife on Friday. You need to go home and get right. And if you don't know how to do it, you need to get your button here tomorrow morning and find a pastor who will find a counselor who will get that right. Because family matters. Because God says, I don't, maybe you should live this way, maybe you should love, maybe you should forgive, no. God said, love, forgive, be kind, be tenderhearted, make family the number one thing. Y'all just thought I was gonna talk about orphans today and you could take a week off, right? I know some of you, some of y'all looking at me like, he wasn't supposed to preach to me today. I just thought he wanted my money. I don't want your money, God wants your heart. God gets your heart, your money will go where God wants it. God gets your heart, your family will be amazing. I mean, it may still be hard and your cousin may still be crazy and, you know. But if he gets your heart, he'll fix the rest of it. And so nothing else really matters after we get your heart. It's all God wants to do. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You get all the rights, all the privileges, all the everything that comes with that. You're equal in heaven to Jesus. Let that soak in for a minute. You are a son and a daughter of the most high God. Like that is amazing. Go live, your fam- go live in your family like you're chosen, like you're perfect, like you're loved. And when you feel chosen and perfect and loved, you'll treat people like they're perfect and forgiven and loved. There's two groups here that as I'm closing that I wanna talk to this morning. You're here this morning and you don't know that you're a son or daughter of God. You walked in here today, and you're just kicking the tires on this whole God thing. You're trying to figure out this Jesus thing. Like I know there's something missing in my life. I know it's a wreck. I think church people are crazy, but God, they talk about it all the time, so I'll go try it. 
and you're here today and the, and the, the thought that God has pursued you and chosen you is shaking you right now. And I want you to know that's not me. It's not my words. I'm not that great. I'm not that smart. That's the Holy Spirit in your life right now saying, I want you, I want you to be my son or daughter. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer bound by fear. That song was perfect this morning. If you're here this morning and that's you, we're gonna pray together in just a minute. And I want you to know that before you leave here today, you can be a son or daughter of God. Are you gonna go home to a perfect family today? No. Is work still gonna be hard tomorrow? Yep. All the same fears? Yeah, you're probably gonna pick them up and take them with you. So you get to belong to God before you believe everything that he tells you. And you get to belong to God before you behave every way that he wants you to behave. Because it's not based on what you do, it's based on who he is and what he's done. And so you just get to belong. And what I've loved about being here this morning and talking to you is that this is a safe place. This is a place that no matter where you're at in your life, you can come and belong. And this church will help you eventually believe and behave the way God wants you to, not the way they want you to. And so I've loved that about being here. And this is a safe place. And so if I can just get everybody to bow their heads for a second. Everybody to close your eyes. If that's not you this morning and you're already a son or daughter of God, pray for the people next to you. Pray that the Holy Spirit is convicting and the Holy Spirit is working. But if that's you and you're here this morning, I just want you to pray with me if you wanna be a son or daughter of God. God, I love you. God, I believe you're big. God, I believe you're real. And God, in your word, I know that you're enough. That I was told this morning that your arms are strong and your hands are tender. And that God, that makes a difference. God, I don't know that I believe all that other stuff. But today I need strong hands, tender hands. I need to feel safe. I need to know I'm loved. I need someone to cry with. And so you can just tell God this morning in your own words, however you'd wanna do that, God, I believe you. God, I know that that I'm separated from you by my sin, but that God, through Jesus, you've pursued me and chased me and I can have a relationship with you. If that's your prayer this morning, if you just raise your hands, just keep it up for a second. I'd like to make eye contact with you. If you're here today and you've become a son or daughter of God, there's another step. It's not the step that changes anything. It's the step that's relational. It's the step where I want you to go to a yellow table when we're done and tell somebody. I want you to find a pastor or find me in the hallway afterwards. I want you to call and schedule an appointment to come sit here this week with somebody because this is the biggest decision of your life and it matters and you need to process through it. You need to know your next step. Now, for everybody else in the room, this applies to everybody. If you're here this morning and you're not getting it right, you're not living that passage out, you're not showing love, you're not showing kindness, which is all of us, we just need to pray that the Holy Spirit does something in us that we don't understand, that he convicts us if we're the angry part of our home. 
If we're the person carrying resentment and anger because somebody hurt us and we've never forgiven them and we're walking around acting like not forgiving them is gonna hurt the other person, we need to pray that God gives us a, a, a measure of forgiveness that we don't understand this morning, that does not make sense, that is not of us. God wants to restore you this morning. He wants to give you the family that you've always wanted. And that may be with him. That may not be with your earthly family. But God wants to be that good, good father to you today. And so I wanna pray with all of us and then the band's gonna play and then you'll know what to do next because I don't. So, God, I love you. I don't know why you love me. I don't get it. I don't know why you pursued me. I don't know why you didn't leave me an orphan. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But God, I'm so thankful that you did. The version of me with you is so much better than the version of me without you. And so God, every day, wreck me. Give me love, give me forgiveness, give me something I'm not capable of today so that my actions make people see you. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray this morning, amen. Thank you, Journey Church. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.